Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out! Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Live from Daytona Beach in Florida, it's another episode of Rody Baseline. With us specially tonight is Dave from Rody Rampage joining us to go over a multitude of things. And we want to thank you, Dave, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know we we're going to try to do this last night, but you guys were at the game and then now you're in Florida. So <laughs> it's probably been a crazy 24 hours, but I'm glad we were able to carve out a little bit of time to to talk about Rody Hoops. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, traveling uh, traveling this uh, these last two days has been a, a little rough, you know, basketball game last night and then jumping on a plane bright and early this morning. But obviously we still got to chat about the Sunshine Slam uh, go over the Boston College game and then chat about the newest addition to the Atlantic 10. Uh, before we do get into that, make sure to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rody Baseline. And do make sure to subscribe to the podcast and obviously leave a five-star rating. Those benefit us as well. I do want to, before we do get into talking about all that stuff, I think we all need to take a minute and just talk about Ryan Preston and the tragic situation that happened with him and Dave, I'd, I know you've been around the program just as much as us, and Ryan Preston was right there when we won the A-10 regular season title and was a big part of our program, and it was just crazy to see that and the support that the team got and the university got. Yeah, you guys were at the game last night, and I know they they paid tribute, and Jared Terrell was there, and that was kind of, uh, from what I saw from, like, Bill Koch and others, that that was kind of unexpected. Like, he texted – David Cox that morning or something. So I, I I can't think that those two things are unrelated, but yeah, just dipping into Instagram and seeing stuff that like Jeff Doughton and Cyril Langevin and Terrell and, and others have been sharing like some old photos, some old videos, probably some photos and videos that have never been shared before that they just kind of did a camera roll dump because of the situation. So I'm interested to hear like what it was like, because I know they paid tribute to him at the game last night and I, I wasn't there and uh, CBS Sports Network didn't really, I mean, they touched on it very briefly, but what was that like and what was that atmosphere like? It was it was something that I wasn't like, it, you could feel it in the air, like you could feel the team was very emotional, especially Cox and all that. Um, I know I got a little choked up about it when they were bringing it up and it just, it brought back so many memories from not just not from the basketball aspect i was a student when ryan was there and generally you're scared to go talk to the to the players and stuff on campus ryan was one of the guys you could approach talk to say hi he'd say hey thanks for coming to the game and all that stuff and i won't forget i'll never forget that game ceiling block against harvard that ryan had but it's just a tragic situation it was definitely well done last night and it was a great performance from the team a defensive specialty just like ryan was when he was on the court. Yeah, I mean, I I 
have to agree with you on that. From what I've seen, obviously, Andrew, you were a student. We've heard from a lot of people as well that Ryan Preston may have looked like the bad guy on the court. But when you saw him in person, he was grateful for the opportunities and the chances that he got to, you know, to be a student, to be a basketball player at URI, you know, to take advantage and, and show why he deserved to be there. I know that I we heard something along the lines of uh, Cox saying that when him and Dan Hurley had chatted with him on his visit, he had told him things that normal college, you know, students who are trying to come to the program don't talk about. And that kind of opened up his eyes. And I know that Cox did get very choked up, you know, and talking with the press. So it's he's someone that we're going to miss very much. Obviously, a tragedy that's very, very sad, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family and his friends and, you know, everybody sharing posts. It's it just hits home really, really close. Yeah. And, um, you know, you talk about and, and Cox touched on this, just his basketball growth. Like, you know, he, he was a Juco transfer. He came here. You know, when he first, when the first couple games you saw, maybe he was more of an end of the bench guy and you were thinking, uh, you know, let's put it this way. You weren't thinking that he was going to have a pro career overseas. You didn't think, you know, it was like, I don't, I don't know if he has that ability. And you just saw his game grow so much over the two years. And he did end up having a, a pro career overseas um, cut short too soon obviously but that's just a testament to how how hard he worked at his game and his craft and and his athleticism and, and you know all the above that that leads to going pro just sad yeah very yeah. sad and hopefully the team can do such a great job with honoring his memory the rest of the year throughout on the court and playing defensively but once again we just want to send our prayers and condolences to the family and all of everyone that he touched in roadie nation. I know he did a lot for us on the court and also on campus. So Godspeed and rest in peace, Ryan. Yeah. But with that, now we got to uh, move on to the brighter aspect of yesterday in this past week. And that was the win against Boston college. And the one thing that I got to say is the def- defense played great offense, a lot to be desired. And Quite frankly, I do not want to play them again on Sunday if we have to. Yeah, I would agree with that. What's what I noticed when I went through the box score again uh, today was their defense was actually pretty good in the first half. Uh, You kind of forgot because of how bad it was in the second half. (laughs) But in the first half, they shot 56 percent from the field. They shot 45 percent from three. Uh, they, they only took one free throw. Uh, they took 19 free throws in the second half. So it definitely turned into more of a slog, more of a, a defensive battle. And URI's defense was better than BC's. BC made the, the adjustments necessary at halftime, and their defense was much more improved, but it still was not at the level of URI's defense. And if you look at the numbers and the you know the counting metrics or the advanced metrics whatever metrics you like uh they're pretty certainly one of the best defensive teams in the country through a a small sample size of a a week and a half or so especially when it comes to blocks and the block party that happened in kingston last night that was that was something by the mitchell twins that was insane 10 blocks between them 10 blocks between them 13 total twan had the other three um i mean those are your big three uh, literally big three uh they have 
plenty of other guys that can score and and play well. But in terms of their bigs, those are your three, and that that's what they need them to do: uh, lock down defensively, block shots, uh, alter shots, protect the rim, grab rebounds. I know. They didn't have a great rebounding night last night. As a team, they were out-rebounded by 13, I think. But, yeah, you'd still take that kind of defensive effort any day. And if they keep it up, you know, I think it raises their ceiling significantly if they can continue to defend at this level. Now, the thing that I think people don't realize is obviously with with missing one of the twins last year. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot and we've heard this from a lot of people that, you know, they were a package deal. Right. So if you got one, you got the other which, you know, a lot of teams didn't want to take the risk on. But from what we've seen the last couple that paid off, <laughs> you know, this is it's paying off to the point where if you're an A-10 team, are you concerned about I, them too? Like, I down there, to, like, are you worried? Because they can just get you in the paint and block. Like, it's, they took over the game last night. I told Gary three or four times last night, I can't see a team in the A-10 when those two are on, either on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, who's going to stop them? Like that give and go on the dunk in the in the late in the second half, who's going to stop that? Yeah, it's – I mean, that, that was an insane play. That was a, a super fun play. But, you know, you look at BC who made five shots total in the second half, and, you know, they, they still even outscored URI by one point, which is just a testament to, to how well their defense played, that they were able to withstand uh, – pretty lousy offensive half and still come away with the win. But, you know, it wasn't like BC went cold. It, it wasn't like they were getting open looks and just missing them. You are like, and if you looked at the box score and didn't see the game, you see, you're like, Oh yeah. You know, maybe they just couldn't hit anything, but it was legitimately altering shots. You could see guys hesitating in the lane, uh, pulling it back out. Cause they didn't want to go up with it when the Mitchell twins were there. Like it, it, totally changed uh, BC's offensive game plan to the point where they didn't really have one anymore. And then when Malik Martin took out Langford, like Malik Martin shut him down. Like, yeah, he, they know we laugh about him when the days with PC, but Malik Martin took him out of the game. And when you take him out of the game, that BC team had nothing to do that they could do. Yeah. And that's, you know, to kind of segue a little bit, I thought that the URI's bench played really well last night. Um, Martin was tremendous defensively. He scored seven points, two of three from the field. Uh, Carey was three of three from the field, eight points in 12 minutes. He had some bad turnovers. He's going to have bad turnovers. Uh, Cox, to his credit, had kind of a short leash with him there when he, he had – a couple of bad turnovers. They pulled them, but, but I think that since last December, but yeah, <laughs> but, but I think what we've seen from Jalen Carey so far this year, uh, the good is outweighing the bad yeah. to me. So and I, will far. Give Jaylen, a, I will give Jalen credit when credit is due coming back from the, whatever foot injury he had and missed the Bryant game. He played well against BC and he gave them what they needed to. I will give Jalen props when Jalen deserves props. He's a spark plug or he can be. And I think that's what they need him to be this year. And I think he's kind of sliding into that role. I'm not sure his role was as clearly defined last year, but he is the spark plug off the bench. He is fast. He can, he can get to the rim. He can score three for three shooting uh, two of two from the line, eight points, three rebounds, I mean, in 12 minutes. And, you know, his minutes were cut short. 
uh, because of the turnovers, if he can eliminate those, he's going to get more minutes. He's going to make an even bigger impact. So it, it's great for him, and it's a good incentive for him moving forward that he could get into that 20 uh, ish minute range. And um, if he if he cleans up the turnovers and, and potentially drop 10, 15 off the bench, which would be obviously huge. And I think you brought up a great point in the bench. And I think it was on full display last night in the fact how deep URI actually is. URI went eight, went nine deep last night. Sebastian Thomas only played nine minutes, but they had eight guys who played more than 10 minutes. Boston College only had only had their starters playing double digit minutes. And I think that is going to help URI in in conference play. I can't remember the last time URI had this much depth off their bench. And you still have Trey Berry who hasn't played. You have Alan Bertrand who's going to come off the bench when he gets back from his knee injury, whenever that is. Like, when was the last time URI could go 9-10 deep and actually have like outside the big men's are the depth that they have this year is insane. And I can't remember the last time they had depth this great. And it was on full display last night. Yeah. And I think what's, and the scoring was so balanced last night too. What did they have? Seven guys that scored seven or more points. Martin Carey. I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now. Martin Carey, Mitchell, Mitchell, Shepard, Elamine. So six guys, uh, no, seven guys um, that scored, uh, seven or more points. So that's, it's so balanced. Their leading score had 12 points. I mean, I know they only scored 57, but you know, it's the offense is not running through one guy anymore. Like it was with Fats Russell. And I love Fats right. Russell, but this, the, this complexion of this team has totally changed. And when you're talking about going nine deep, I think the rotation is set. I think every guy knows their roles. I think, uh, and, and that's just so huge, uh, especially three games into the season. Like, these are our guys. These are the guys that start. These are the guys that come off the bench. These are their roles. Plug and play. Let's go. There's so, just a uh, different feeling around the team this year It like compared to last year. I don't know if it's the fact that the crowd's there or the like the vet, you have a nice mix of the veterans and the young guys. I think as I can't I, I can't understate it. I think Ish Elamine brought a nice calming thing to the team this year and he brought the veteran leadership. You have Jeremy Shepard who came back for fifth year. He's not messing around. And I really do think the Ryan Center crowd and having fans back in the Ryan Center is a big aspect of that. I like the fans, like the players last night was insane. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not, and again, Dave, you made this point as well, right? Elephants wrestling the death. Well, we all know when those threes were, you know, those stupid threes that were just instants you know, is not the way we like this. And and it's funny. We, you know, you said last night, Sebastian Thomas threw up like one, three, like this quick, like ran down the court and just hummed it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, yeah. fat, like you're not fat. And then he got to take it out. And I'm like, okay, great. Like he needs to learn. Like, that's fine. I'm okay with the shot once in a while, but not having that kind of mentality where you can take the ball down, kind of take your time a little bit, I think makes a huge difference in the long run. Yeah. And, and you saw, you know, with fats, like you or I would be up 15 and it would cut down to five or it would be a tie game. And then you or I would be down 10 fats would have this mentality where he would be like, okay, well, I have to take over now. And sometimes he would do it and it would be awesome. And other times where he wouldn't, you know, uh, you'd see, I, I, 
I, I hate people like this, but I'm going to be this guy, the, the body language uh, analyzer. I, I hate doing it, but you, the body language this year with the team just seems so much different. No guys are hanging their heads. I mean, they haven't lost the game yet, right? So maybe they'll hang their heads after they lose a game. They're not going to go undefeated. Uh, but uh, we can only we can only wish. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, me, Dave, you, me, and Andrew know that that's definitely not hot. Take alert: thirty-one and zero. Yeah. <laughs> Natty championship coming to Kingston. Yeah, that's right. Just gonna run Those the table. final four tickets right now. <laughs> But so far, uh, the, they haven't been hanging their head. They have guys like Shepard and Elamine who are rallying the troops and um, and making sure that, you know, everyone stays, you know, everyone knows their role. Everyone stays connected and executing at a high level. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see when they lose a game, but I, I really like the, the the cohesiveness right now. Now, the all, the last thing I want to bring up on this game, right? The, you know, both teams had, had trouble scoring in the second half. URI did not make a basket until nine minutes into the second half, which is, is crazy to see, which made the game, you know, very tough to watch, I would say. Um, I'm not sure from the at-home aspect, but in the arena, it was a little rough. And, you know. Nope. It was tough. It was tough. <laughs> <laughs> but the thought I would say, and I brought this up to Andrew last night, you know, the defense wasn't the issue, right? You know, obviously the defense was very strong and they, you know, kept up and, and did a great job. Uh, the offense did have a little bit of trouble scoring, but I think that that's just, you know, a little bit of a, a schneid that they're going to hit, right? Like in the end, it's not something that I would be too concerned about, but, you know, we do, they need to be careful in those moments because they were lucky that Boston College was having the same type of issues, right? Because they could have took over that game significantly similar to what happened the year before and just, ran away with it yeah and i think Koch tweeted something along these lines so i'm going to paraphrase him and and you can probably go to his timeline and get the exact quote because he probably put it better than i'm about to put it but you know dan hurley's teams also had these offensive issues uh they had trouble scoring the ball at times but their defense was able to weather this help them weather that storm and that's what you saw last night too so you know, Dan Hurley didn't trot out these offensive juggernauts that were dropping 90 points a game. It, that Those weren't his teams. Uh, so we're starting to see that similar type of identity uh, come into place here, um, which is great because Dan Hurley's teams were awesome. So <laughs> Exactly. No, no, it, I can't agree with you more. So final score out of Kingston last night, 57-49 for your URI Rams. A big win right before heading down to the Sunshine Slam uh, very familiarly where, oh, wait, where me and Andrew actually are. Oh, that's that's even, you know, obviously even great, right? Dave, we, we do wish you were here with us. Not, I know we're on Zoom. I know you're away. But if, if you were here with us, it'd be even better. So, you know, we'll we'll send our, our you know, fun times to you and, and have you be here in spirit. You know, to All right. Toronto. I'm going to just enjoy flow sports uh, this weekend. <laughs> so we're good. We're all good. You say that like you're not happy about that. Don't don't be jealous. Do not be jealous. Hey, we'll 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 wave to you on the camera on uh, on Saturday yeah, night. We'll catch all right. Maybe full sports will catch us on the sidelines. Who knows? Maybe we'll get like that. But yes, you are right. Is headed to Daytona Beach uh, for the Sunshine Slam with a game on Saturday. That game happening at seven thirty versus Tulsa. Uh, this Tulsa team is 
going to be very, very tough. I think, I think this is going to be an interesting, an interesting game. I know the last time Tulsa had like a real basketball season, Dave, I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't really count last year. Tulsa was a 20 win team. Um, this year, they're off to a two and one start. They just beat Oregon State last Monday. So they've had a whole week to prepare for the University of Rhode Island. That Oregon State team was in the Elite Eight last year. This Tulsa team goes about seven or seven, so. I would seven say. or so yeah. deep. They uh they add they have a few, they only have two double digit scores, 20 and 17 with Jure Horn and Sam Griffin. So I feel like those are gonna be where Cox and company hone in on but this Tulsa team I think it's going to be a good test for the University of Rhode Island come Saturday night and not for nothing it's their first time away from the Ryan Center so it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that yeah for sure just looking at their box scores Horn is he seems like he's kind of built like Antoine Walker but he can step out and hit threes too so I think they're going to need Walker to guard him because he has that very much of an inside out game. Uh, I just clicked on his page. This is his third team. He was started with Nebraska. And then can this even be right? Someone check me on this, but he started with Nebraska played for Tulsa transferred to Colorado and then transferred back to Tulsa. I don't even know if you could do that. Uh, oh, this is going to be one well, fun game. Well, well, that's what, that's what Ken Palm says. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean this, he, he, I think is the guy uh, that you need to stop. He's averaging 20 and eight so far this year, again, three games against decent opponents. Uh, Oregon State is not, they're one and two. They're not building off their elite eight run. Let's put it that way. But, um, but, and then surprising elite eight run that nobody predicted that they got crowded with. Nobody had that. Uh, And then Sam Griffin, who's the other guy you mentioned, then Ray Idowu. Those I think are your big three that you need to lock down. So we'll see what happens. But um, of course, the only Tulsa game I watched, and I didn't watch all of it, but I watched some of the Air Force game which Tulsa lost, which they should not have lost. I was like, oh, this team's not very good. But you look at their other box scores and you see, you know, some of the playmakers they have, some of the scores they have. And I think this is going to be a legit challenge for sure. I think it's going to be a good test for the team. I really do. I don't, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest aspect that you bring up, Andrew, and it's, it's completely true, is it's their first away game and they have to go to, a, you know, a tournament for the away game. Like, I mean, that's not a, it's not normal, right? Like, I mean, whatever with COVID, nothing's normal. And, and, you know, teams go to different places, but I just think that this game is going to be the really true test away from home, you know, trying to, you know, continue with the, the great game that you've been playing over the last three games or so, but just a, you know, a tough test. And then, you know, potentially heading off on Sunday, uh, depending on what happens with their result and the other result of the other game, either having to play the Utah Utes or the Boston College team that you literally played yesterday. I think I think the most important thing though is you got to get you had you got to beat you got to take care of Tulsa. I mean, if you get stuck with BC, you get stuck with BC. But I per- personally watching that BC game, I think BC is going to lose. So the easiest way to avoid Boston College again, and and I'm not saying it even if beating Utah. You do not want to play the same team twice. If you can get a chance to get a Pac-12 team, you get a chance to play a Pac-12 team. You got to take care of business against Tulsa. I think Tulsa, with how weak the 
American is this year. I think Tulsa has a chance to put some wins together. And I know it's a long way off from everybody's thinking, but you beat Tulsa, you beat Utah with that BC win. If you can steal a game against Providence later in the year, you have a semi-decent resume come March. Because you know yeah. that those three teams are all going to have chances to build their resumes to help you in the long run. So I think Tulsa, you got to shut down those two guys. I think Malik Martin's going to be a big part of the defensive game plan. I really do. Yeah, I think so too. Him and, and Antoine Walker, I think are, you know, two of their better defenders, at least their better non-guard defenders. So I think those two guys are going to have to be relied on pretty heavily. And I also agree with you that I think Utah is going to take down BC. So you, you win, you probably get Utah. Uh, if you lose, you get BC again. And Utah is, you know, they're a Pac-12 team, but they're not, uh, they're not unbeatable. So uh, if you beat Tulsa, it's going to be a tough challenge. You're going to have another tough challenge waiting for you in probably Utah. And if it's BC again, I mean, we saw how close that game was last night, especially in the second half. So, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a tough tournament, but it, it's one that I think. You or I can uh, win. You or I could win this tournament. That's exactly what I was going to say. A lot of times you see these tournaments, you know, I think there was one uh, at Mohegan a couple of years ago where they beat Cincinnati, who was ranked, and then they ended up playing Duke or something. And hey, we were at that, one, right? that one. Yeah, I was at that. I was at the Cincinnati game. I did not go to the Duke game because I, I knew how that was going to well, turn yeah, out. You probably did better not going. Yeah. You see some of these tournaments and it's like, well, if they could just win one, because uh, they're not going to win both. This a, yeah. a tournament where they have a legit chance to win both. Uh, they got to get that first one, though. Personally, I would consider Saturday night a must win. And previous years, you can be disappointed coming home from one of these tournaments. One, You wouldn't need to be disappointed coming back one on one. You could very well make an argument that this team could be very disappointed coming back from Daytona one on one. They have a real opportunity to go two and oh. And not for nothing, I don't know about you, Gary, but if we came all the way down here to play Boston College on Sunday, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> a game that we literally saw like less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yep. mean, I think we all feel that way. And I mean, Dave's going to have to pay for it on full sports. They have to watch the same game. <laughs> yeah. so it's a month subscription. I'm watching. In every game, I'm watching <laughs> MMA or whatever they have on Flow Sports. I'm just locking in. I'm just gonna stream it and just have it on my TV from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. In the background the whole time. Yeah, I'm gonna try to bankrupt them. They're just gonna get away so, more than my twenty dollars worth. So that'll uh, about wrap us up for covering these games with Tulsa on Saturday at seven thirty and either Boston College or the Utah Utes at a time to be determined on Sunday night and the Sunshine Slam. I know Gary and I, we've only been here for a couple hours, but the hospitality has been great. We're looking to have a blast. We're going to have fun tomorrow. Yeah, if you find us down here, uh, feel free to come say hello. You know, we are very friendly. We had a couple of people already think that we're part of the team. Big yeah. shock. It usually happens. And uh, <laughs> follow along with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're going down to Daytona Speedway tomorrow, but uh I think we got we have a couple more topics that we want to get your opinion on, Dave, including the A10 realignment. But first, something that just hit me that we should probably bring up. There is a massive football game on Saturday, and I think we need to give the football team a little bit of time here and realize that if they can beat Elon, how monumental Saturday night could turn into being for the University of Rhode Island and the football team in particular. Yeah, as, as someone brought this up, I think. 
Uh, URI women have a chance to go five and zero at one o'clock on Saturday. Then the men, uh, the the football team rather, at two, and then the men at seven thirty. So that's that's going to be a pretty crazy day. And oh, by the way, URI football is on Flow Sports. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think. I mean, I. I followed the football team here and there, but we talked to Thor a few weeks ago and everybody around the program thinks that if they can beat Elon. There's a very good chance that they can hear their team name called to get into that 2014 playoff, which I can't remember the last time that's happened and it would be massive for the university and the program. Yeah. I've never, cause I've had no reason to really followed uh, the 2014 playoff and the, the selection process and everything. But uh, the past couple of weeks I've been, hitting all the bracketology sites and FCS stats and all those other sites. And uh, most sites have them teetering on the last four in first four out. So that to me means if you win, you're in, I mean, they're, they're right on the cusp. Uh, I, I don't know what teams you're, I should be rooting for. I don't think it matters. I think if they win, they're in. Um, so yeah, absolutely monster game. Yeah. So it's, it's I can't, Dave, can you remember a time where this, like, you've seen so much buzz on the last game of the season for football? I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to, you know, say that in a way, but like, so much, you know, people talking about this team, you know, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, no, I cannot remember a time. And I don't, I don't know when the FCS went to this full blown tournament. I feel like it was, sometime in our lifetime. So, but yeah, it's super fun and I'm very, very excited to, uh, to check it out on flow sports. You should guys should get a paid sponsorship with flow sports. Cause I'm just, pump, I'm just pumping them up right now. Rody baseline brought to you this week by flow yeah. sports. That's F L O. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's going to be an exciting Saturday in Kingston. Start drinking at noon. I know Gary and I will be drinking at noon. We got a fun, we got a fun day planned of football, basketball, the women's basketball team. And then uh, men's like, it's just going to be following everything on my phone, like women on my yeah. phone and the, you know, the football team on my TV. It's going to be a good one, but no. Uh, but yeah. Let's, I was going to say, so I just looked it up. They, they went to the 2014 playoff format in, in, in 2013 so uh clearly uh uri fans have never yep. uh had a had a reason or opportunity to follow the this 2014 playoff until nope. now so true yeah but, uh, very excited <laughs> but yeah with that we uh what we do want to dive in dave uh we do want to get your thoughts on this uri men's team um and also on the women's team as well uh obviously we haven't gotten to chat with you this year but you know, you've seen three games so far. What are your, your opinions on these teams and, and the thoughts of where they could go in the long run? Well, my expectations have changed since preseason for a number of reasons. One, URI looks much better than I thought they were going to look. And the A-10 as a whole looks much worse. <laughs> so <laughs> as it usually happens. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, top four is starting to look very much in reach. You know, you look at a team like Dayton, who is just a a absolute dumpster fire right now. They lost to UMass Lowell at home. Then they got absolutely toasted by Lipscomb at home last night. So, uh, you know, a lot of these perennial teams, Dayton, VCU took a bad loss, although they did have a nice win last night. 
Richmond took a bad loss, but they'll probably be fine. So there, there's room in there, you know. The, George Mason the, took a huge win last night. Like, yeah, I mean, Mason looks like the scariest team right now. I know Bonaventure is ranked in their 3-0, and uh, but a, a lot of their games have been pretty close, uh, could have gone either way, including their game this afternoon. So, yeah, it's it, the conference is looking open for the taking a little bit. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, outside of the Bonnies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not taken for first place. I'm not saying that. I'm saying locking into that double buy, getting a shot at potentially that, making a run to the A-10 title. But that's what makes this weekend so important. If you can get that number two seed and you can steal these two games against two quality opponents, hopefully steal that PC game and don't have any bad losses, I'm not saying that it's the best resume, but – Things could fall your way come Selection Sunday. If you can get number two in the in the conference play, you beat Harvard, you beat PC, you go this weekend. Obviously, they're not going to go undefeated in the non-conference, but if you can get the wins that matter, you, you, you can make an argument that they could be right there on, if not an NCAA t- tournament team, a very high seed in the NIT. And I think as much as the NIT sucks and we don't want to be in there, I think – Going into the season, if you would tell me that we'd be a one or two seed in the NIT, I think we'd all be happy with that. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I think that's a solid turnaround uh, for what we saw last year, um, and I think it would instill a lot of confidence uh, in the program in Coach Cox to get him an extension. Uh, keep instilling this team. You know they're bringing a lot of guys back next year. I don't want to start looking forward to next year yet, but. <laughs> You know, that they could build a stronger non-conference schedule potentially. So yeah, you got yeah. Seton Hall already on the schedule next year. Yep, they're there. Uh at BC is there. I think BC. I, I liked what I saw from Earl Grant, their new head coach last night. He needs to get his guys there. That I you mentioned earlier they don't go very deep. It's because they lost a ton of guys when they lost their coach, Jim Christian. So he'll get his guys in there, he'll install his system. They could be much more improved next year. Um, obviously, Providence is always a you know quad one, quad two at the absolute worst game every year. So, yeah, I think that uh, Bryant and that Bryant and BU games could turn out to be quad two wins because those teams are both going to do very well in their conferences. Yeah, um, maybe they, they were both at home, so that kind of dings you in terms of how good a team has to be to get into those quads. But I, I think they're going to. Um, they're going to, they're going to look like, they're going to look like good, good wins, no matter what um, those teams are going to be fine. They're going to finish top two or three in their league, each one of them. So it's yeah. not, you don't have the big name schools, but Cox did a very good job putting together a decent non-conference schedule together. That gives them a chance if they can pull it off. Yeah. I mean, there are some, I mean, Georgia state, I think is sneaky. Milwaukee, I think is sneaky. Uh two games that are kind of flying under the radar right now, but I think those could end up if they win those games, regardless of where they win or lose, I think those are going to end up looking like two quality opponents at the end of the year. Well, well on that note, yeah. let's move into the big news in the A-10 this week that nobody saw coming. And the fact that Sister Jean and the Loyola Ramblers are coming to the Atlantic 10 in 2022 and 2023, which begs the question, where why and what's next for this conference? Oh, uh, you're also forgetting how. Oh, and how? How this all happened? <laughs> and how, uh, hot take: how? A10 tournament going to Chicago in a few years. That would be sick. I love Chicago, but I don't know if they would put. Uh, they, they played the A10 tournament in 
in DC and stuff. So they play in other teams' backyards. So that that would be pretty awesome if it was at like the United Center or something. But how I have no idea. This was totally uh, came out of the blue. I think it's awesome. I, I Loyola Chicago. They're becoming a household name amongst even the most co- uh, casual of college basketball fans. So I think it's a tremendous get. Uh, it makes the conference better. Um, I'm super, super excited for this ad. And now we need to get into the hot takes of do they add another team and go to 16 and split into two divisions of eight? Uh, and you get and you get, you know, St. Louis and Loyola and Dayton, you know, the the West, uh, if you will. And then the East with the URI and UMass and Joe's and uh, LaSalle. That's possible. Um that, I know that, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Right. The Atlantic 10 is not Atlantic anymore. Right. Like, it's not Atlantic and it's certainly not 10. Uh, <laughs> you know what so, that Atlantic stands for? Money, money, money. But yeah. So I, there's definitely another shoe here. Uh, I don't I, I we talked before we came on. I disagree with Andrew. I don't think a team's leaving. I think it's much more likely that they add another one, but it could be possible that they go back to 14. I, I would not bet on it. So he uh, Dave brought it up, so I will give my theory to everybody. Uh, looking over Twitter, there's a lot of angry fans in Amherst about how the football team is being treated. So my theory is, I don't know what conference in their right mind would take UMass, but my feeling is that UMass is going to try to go all football and get moved to a football program, which I can see why you'd question it, but... That's a gut I have, and I hope it doesn't happen because that URI-UMass rivalry is just so tight, but that's just my gut feeling, and I don't – yeah, we can talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I just don't think any conference would want them. Um, <laughs> they don't They don't have a coach right now. They have an interim coach, so, um, you know, I think this – and I'm, I'm, I didn't come on here to talk UMass football, but I think this new hire is very <laughs> – I think this new hire is very important for them to see, you know, what kind of direction are they going? I mean, Bill Koch uh, and other people have been saying, you know, it might be best served for them to step down and step back into the CAA. James Madison is leaving. There's a spot open if they want it or if UConn wants it. I mean, but I don't think either of those teams will do that. I think they're all in on football. And at the same time, I don't think any, conference in their right mind would take UMass right now between UMass and UConn though I think UConn would have more to gain by joining the CAA because their hockey program's abysmal you're not doing anything with the hockey program at least UMass hockey they just won the national title the basketball program seems a little steady they need to get that football program steady and I think UConn is just put should put all their baskets in basketball and call it a day yeah I mean uh, you UMass was in the Mac, I believe, for a little while. I don't know if they would take them back, but UMass lost to URI and then to Maine, two FCS teams on back-to-back weeks. Neither game was particularly close, so they have a, a big hill to climb. Um, and I think it starts with this next coaching hire, but I, I don't know that any team is going to take them right now. Maybe in a few know if years, maybe any. if they show some – a conference. I mean, any conference is going to take them right no now. I don't think there's a coach that wants that job. I mean, UConn just hired Jim Mora Jr. So who knows? I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, UMass athletic director, if you're listening, I'll do it for 250 grand a year. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, so changing gears a little bit, obviously, you know, Andrew does think a team's going to leave. I think, and I haven't brought my opinion up at this point, right? I think that the 16th team is possible. Um, I have a very, 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 very strong suspicion it's going to be Temple. And I don't know why, but just there's just a lot of murmur around Temple trying to kind of come back to the A-10. So I want to get your thoughts on that, Dave. I think you've been reading you've been reading too much of Rothstein's Twitter. Uh, (laughs) He has been beating that drum so much that the drum has broken. Uh, I don't know what his obsession is with it. Uh, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just don't think that's very likely. I don't know why I think that. I, I, I just, I would be surprised uh, if Temple came back. Um, I think it's much more likely that it's a team like like Manhattan or like Murray State or one of these lower level, somewhat Atlantic, although that clearly is not a, a qualifier anymore. <laughs> Which but. is my hot take of a team. I believe I have a feeling Wichita State. That's possible, too. It's um, all going to depend on what the American does. Yeah, and uh, and we'll see an American team on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, that conference is, is not great. Memphis is good. I think their days are numbered in the American, too. UConn bounced. Um, Wichita State is is usually very good. Houston obviously was a Final Four team last year. Uh, Cincinnati is really good in football, but uh, yeah, it's you look up and down that conference and it's just like eh, UCF, Tulane, East Carolina. You know, it's not a lot uh, is very impressive about it. So I could see Wichita State uh, making a jump Memphis. potentially. Cincinnati and Wichita State all leaving the American going to bigger, especially with the football thing with Cincinnati. If Cincinnati doesn't make the playoff and they go undefeated, they're as good as gone out of the American, in my opinion. Yeah, they they could jump. I, I don't know. I, sometimes this conference stuff gives me a headache, but the, I mean, they could jump <laughs> to the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the landscape looks like in terms of conferences, appetites to add or, or remove teams or teams to jump to new conferences. But long story short, I I do think that the A-10 is adding another team. I don't have a beat on who it is. There's a number of teams that wouldn't surprise me, but Temple would surprise me a little bit. We'll see. Uh, That's fine. Fair enough. Obviously fair enough there, but that's, that's about all the time that we have, which is really sad. You know, Dave, thanks for, uh, for joining us on uh, Roadie baseline. Obviously you can follow live from Daytona. (laughs) Andrew's been dying to say that all day. Uh, But obviously you can follow Dave at Roadie rampage, uh, part of the fan sided network. Uh, obviously, Dave has been doing content for the URI Rams for some time. Uh, and actually, the first time we officially got him on our show, even the last year we had you on a Twitter live, uh, which got a lot of hits. But uh, we appreciate the time. We wish you were down here in Daytona with us. You'll be watching the game on Flow Sports. F-L-O. That's right. Go to flowsports.com right now and use code Roadie Baseline. No, I'm uh, and hopefully, you know, URI can pull out uh, these big games this weekend uh, against Tulsa, either Utah or Boston College. So, yeah. obviously, make sure to follow Dave at Rudy Rampage. Follow us at Rudy Baseline, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we'll keep up with us this weekend as we uh, take on Daytona. 
as the Rody Baseline Podcast. And, you know, Andrew, I got to let you do it, even though we're in Daytona. Go ahead. Live from Daytona. Go Rody. Go Rody.